Welcome to our special Christmas edition of the Attic Sessions. We're coming to you from the glorious surroundings of the uh, Gutter Bookshop in Cows Lane in the centre of Dublin and surrounded by an extraordinary array of talent here tonight. Some wonderful poets who are going to strut their seasonal stuff. Um, and let's take it from, from here. I'm going to call them up one by one and uh, they're going to read something special uh, for Christmas. So, if I can first ask Paul Perry. Uh, thanks, Nessa. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Uh, it's lovely to be here at uh, the Gutter Bookshop. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm going to read a poem by James Merrill called uh, Christmas Tree. To be brought down at last from the cold, sighing mountain where I and the others had been fed looked after, kept still, meant I knew, of course I knew, that it would be only a matter of weeks, that there was nothing more to do. Warmly, they took me in, made much of me. The point from the start was to keep my spirits up. I could assent to that, for honestly, it did not help to be wound in jewels, to send their colours flashing forth from vents in the deep, fragrant sable that cloaked me head to foot. Over me then they wove a spell of shining purple and silver chains, eaves dripping tinsel, amulets, milagros, software of silver, a heart, a little girl, a model T, two staring eyes. The angels, trumpets, Bud and Bia, the children's names in clown-like capitals. Somewhere a music box whose tiny song played and replayed, I ended before long by loving. And in shadow behind me, a primitive IV to keep the show going. Yes, yes, what lay ahead was clear, the stripping, the cold, street my chemicals ploughed back into earth for lives to come no doubt a blessing a harvest but one that doesn't bear now or ever dwelling upon to have grown so thin needles and bone the little boy's hands meeting about my spine the mother's voice holding up wonderfully no dread no bitterness, the end beginning. Today's dusk room aglow for the last time with candlelight, faces love lit, gifts underfoot. Still to be so poised, so receptive, still to recall, to praise. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's my headphones. Um, and you may recall Paul Perry was talking to us earlier this year about his amazing crime fiction that he writes with uh, Karen Galise, but he's also a wonderful poet and he also reads poet poetry wonderfully. So thanks, Paul, for kicking us off there. 
Um, another previous guest on the Attic Session is Jean O'Brien, and she's going to come and delight us now. Jean. And again, thank everyone for inviting me into the gutter bookshop. And when I arrange my glasses, which are a bit caught up in my necklace, we shall go. No, I'm caught her <laughs> I just read it half-mast. It looks seasonal. It looks seasonal, yes. And I'm not even open at the right page. Uh, a simple poem needs no explanation. It's called The Recipe. Every Christmas, I take out her old book, its leaves browned, the paper dried to tissue. Carefully, I turn the pages and smile at recipes for invalids. Beef tea, real lemonade, until I get to the cakes where her hand jotted on the margins her own preferred mix of raisins, sultanas, orange peel and cherries. The ink vanishes into the crumbling edge. I still have her baking tin, greased up to hold off the rust. I weigh and sift her every word, looking for some meaning in the method. All I find are weights and measures, all doled out in pounds and ounces. The only recipe I ever took from her, I am uneasy till it rises. Thank you. And another previous guest, um, Jerry Smith, came and talked to us over the summer about his wonderful book, The Yellow River, and he is going to come and read for us now. Thanks, Nessa. Um, pleasure to be back in the attic um, in the Gutter Bookshop. This poem was prompted um, by a phrase out of Wallace Stevens, uh, not a poet we think of as a festive poet, uh, and it's also a kind of homage to uh, the artificial tree. It's called The December Day. The day is one of good intentions, homespun simplicities. So many shoulders to the wheel, 40 winks when the good meal ends and the dinner wine goes to our heads. A day that twilight will soon repossess. To say, as Stephen said, that it was evening all afternoon would be correct. But who put the silver apples on the tree? Who lit the candle that's been cold for a year? Sparrow and robin are asleep in their nests. It's time for the lullaby the choir rehearsed. Raveled in the pines of the long and short branches, Light comes on to form new galaxies. It's a tree that never belonged to nature, never had roots in a mountain forest, but came in a box, once a year is unfurled, then placed at the centre of our world. So our next reader is Maeve O'Sullivan, who uh, joined us in the last year with her uh, colleagues, the Divas, but she's actually here on her own tonight, just fresh from launching her wonderful latest collection, Elsewhere, Maeve O'Sullivan. Thanks very much, Nessa. And 
Just to be awkward, I'm reading a poem that isn't in the book. It's more, more here than elsewhere. And it's set in Kilmainham, which is quite close to where I live. Uh, just a little bit of context, if I have time. Uh, my maternal grandfather was imprisoned in Kilmainham jail for a month, uh, 97 years ago. And uh, he wasn't given a reason. And he was there for, for a month and eventually he got out. But he missed the first Christmas and New Year with his new bride, who was my grandmother. And he wrote letters to her. So this, is this poem was inspired by one of those letters. Kilm Kilmainham Jail. December 1920, after a letter from Tom O'Connor to Francis O'Connor. We kick up a strange dust in this dark place. No Christmas rush, no seasonal good cheer. I wonder when I'll get to see your face. Some people think that prison brings disgrace, while others claim we're heroes to revere. We kick up a strange dust in this dark place. I miss the house, our windows with their lace. I long to touch my young bride's braided hair. I wonder when I'll get to see your face. Please send our lawyer over just in case. Three weeks I've been incarcerated here. We kick up a strange dust in this dark place. And take the train up to your old home place. You shouldn't be alone with all your fear. I wonder when I'll get to see your face. If I'm released to Navin, I will race. Together we can ring in the new year. We kick up a strange dust in this dark place. I wonder when I'll get to see your face. So our next reader is Dave Butler, who hasn't appeared with us before, though his missus is currently, uh, or in the last episode, Tanya uh, Farley was, was on. Uh, but we're delighted to welcome Dave, uh, poet, short story writer, playwright, does pretty much everything. And he's here tonight. Thank you. Yeah, lovely to be involved in another of Nessa's wonderful ideas, <laughs> bringing us all out on a December day. This is entitled Solstice. <clears throat> December has cut the throat of another day. The light bleeds away westward, dyeing the clouds in briefest reds. For a week, a keen wind has honed the moon to a blade. There's barely a sliver remaining, a white edge that traces an arc haunted by the memory of the old moon. The fields are heavy as remorse. Pools shiver at each splash of air, cower from the senile wind, crust around blackened grasses. Nothing breathes here. Nothing breathes, and yet, amidst this boldness, the urgent snout, the darting beak, black leaves flicked, stabbed, rifled, there's something clandestine abroad, a rumour, solstice, a whispered word. The tidal moon is pregnant with it and cradles in her arc the print of the full. Hedges are raising wicker fingers to sift the zodiac's turning braille for myths of recurrence. Even the frost seems cold only with waiting. It's we that grow old, not the world. All about... Nature wheels on axes of return. Our charge is set for a single firing before we fall to ashes. Still, we blaze up red in the knowledge that the mass that governs our span is strictly linear. It carries within it the term of its own decay, implacable as treason. That treason is our glory. Well, I'm particularly chuffed to uh, invite our next reader on, um, 
Bernadette O'Reilly is one of the greatest supporters of poetry in that she goes to pretty much every event that is organised, but she's also a really good poet and it's great to get a chance to hear her now. Bernie. <clears throat> My poem is, um, <clears throat> sorry, a childhood memory and it's called 1966. It was Christmas Day. She walked the children through the dark hall of the tenement building. She knocked on the door of the room she had lived in. He opened it. Joy on his face to see them. She noticed the white shirt and green pullover. It had a beer stain on the front. They exchanged a few words. With the children, she walked away. He closed the door. So next up is a neighbour of mine in uh, Rathfarnham, Greater Rathfarnham area, uh, Paul Brugatzi. Uh, again, another newbie to the attic session, but hopefully not the last time he's going to uh, pay us a visit. I'm going to do two, isn't it? Are we still That's okay with all that? Yeah. As much as you can, says you. While you're up there, use it. Uh, Joan and I went to uh, Rome a couple of years ago uh, in search of the Christmas spirit and didn't quite find it. Um, I should perhaps gloss that basta in Italian means that's enough. It doesn't mean what it sounds like. <laughs> Rome at Christmas. Few the signs of glitter or baubles on the cracked city streets where the beggar woman walks, waist bent, face to ground. Just the crib dioramas of shepherds and stallkeepers, lit houses and huddled forms of the cardboard people under the aqueduct. No donkeys, but the mark of the black horse on the roaring red car. And the man near Termini bedded down with his bike, with the girl, with her dog, with the sign. We hunger. In the Museo Palatino, Two pristine wings of an angel bereft of body. Later, beset by a wild infernal face, I turn and bellow, BASTA! Uh, this is uh, Morda Machinti's Ihanulug, uh, which apparently she wrote when she was 15. La quenlan an angel tan sperum ubraca, ta fiecal an taka Adigantina is terk on the lapa, lihe mak day, sintig shahanocht. Fagagi on Doris er lahan lachunye, on widen a hyokig sanir a hocht. Jonig skir wohid a ligginta wide, lihig mak day, and sintig shahanocht. Besilcha er lasa, he digshana hirtha, korugan kolya, beagus jok. The canaha ulla, the canaha shida, akalihig mak day. And some take Shohanot. And Gabriel Morris's uh, translation of it. Christmas Eve. With candles of angels, the sky is now dappled. The frost on the wind from the hills has a bite. Kindle the fire and go to your slumber. Jesus will lie in this household tonight. Leave all the doors wide open before her. The virgin who'll come with the child on her breast. Grant that you'll stop here tonight, Holy Mary, 
that Jesus a while in this household may rest. The lights were all lighting in that little hostel. There were generous servings of victuals and wine, for merchants of silk, for merchants of woolens, but Jesus will lie in this household tonight. Thank you very much. So I am really jealous of our next reader because Aunt Hannam knows how to deliver a poem without reading it. Um, so delighted to have her come and uh, possibly read the poem because she's looking a bit shocked now. <laughs> half, half and half. Half and half. <laughs> Thanks a million, Nessa. There's a few little spots I may, I may glance down. Uh, it's, such, it's so wonderful to be here. And even... Like earlier, was it going to snow, was it not going to snow? There was, there was quite an excitement in the air, so it's such a pleasure to be here. Um, this is a, an old enough poem, but uh, yeah, it, it was a really just in, encapsulate that, that feeling of Christmas. So it's called Christmas Eve. And now, at last, it's Christmas Eve. The carousel of endless preparation stops, and we get off dizzy from all that forward motion. Time slows down and catching breath we look and see that everything is as it should be. The smells, the lights, the Christmas tree. And underneath with a red bow tied, the gift of anticipation. Children wrapped in new pyjamas with glittering eyes and tinsel toes begin the countdown dance of one more sleep. And catching our hands they pull us along through those silly, precious, time-honoured rituals that recreate the holy, blessed sacrament of Christmas Eve. Until one by one, stockings are hung and reluctant children are sent off to begin the arduous task of trying to sleep so that morning can come. Then there's just the two of us, Santa and his missus, with one or two small jobs to do before we can call it a day. From the hiding places, presents appear and arrange themselves into four fat piles and mysterious, odd-shaped, small-sized gifts slide into stockings, jostle for space before settling down. The room is ready and look. The clock hands bring us tidings of great joy. It is tomorrow and Santa has come. One last quick look to see that everything is in its place, then lights off, cat out, lock the door up the stairs, and after a long day spent miles and miles apart, head and pillow reunite. And in a manger far away, a baby boy is born. So I spent 10 days on the edge of a cliff with our next reader, Adam um, Wythe, and we both survived. <laughs> so delighted to have you to come along tonight. Yeah, well, you make that sound very dramatic. Me and you on the edge of a precipice, you know, yeah. Um, it's lovely to be here, my first time in the attic and in the gutter, well, not my first time in the gutter bookshop, but lovely to be in the gutter bookshop, looking on at these stars. See what I did there? Oh. No, 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 no. Um, so this is, um, Called, so I, I actually had four poems uh, prepared. I didn't realise we were doing one poem, but I'm going to read just one, don't worry. So I'm glad I didn't read first. Um, this is uh, Solstice Drive, and um, yeah, I love this time of year for these sort of elemental and sort of pagan side of things. Solstice Drive. Fans were, the engine purrs, the stereo glares, blue and red. A green glow flashes, 0700. 
Frozen vapour hazes the windscreen. Stars sparkle overhead. Otherwise, all is darkness. Full beams stun ghost trails of fog. The coiled lane loosens like lace. A world comes slowly back to itself like an old idea. The heavens turn as the car steers. Nebulous fields are released from invisible chains. Rows of houses beetle past on a carousel. An electric flatline quivers on the horizon, then fades, as if my returning has reversed time. On the bridge, a Jurassic bird unravels its undying burden, a black flag flapping at half-mast. I turn into the station, bleep the car to sleep. A brisk wind cuts across the platform. Trains tremble between synchronised clocks. I step into a steel husk, a miasma of metal and glass. We push out into a tunnel. Memory is jogged by a familiar pull. The body shocks with a shudder of engines towards light. Then we screech to a stop like a breached birth. We start, stop, then begin again and are rolling. Fields, towns, woods I know play back under me. A film reel snaking to life. Everything glossed in the silver sheen of night's afterbirth. Unreal earth I am betrothed to, becoming luminous. I feel it in my bones, a knife driving through frosted hedgerows. Across the miles of open plains it starts to crown, laser beaming between my eyes, a laser beam that is our life. And our last poet is uh, Unani Kiali, who uh, got every distinction going in her MA in Creative Writing at University College Cork, just completed. Delighted to have her here and to hear a poem. Thank you, Nessa. Delighted to be here in the gutter with you. So, um, be sure into Nagam Hain, Ian Nullock, Alev, yeah, Lamar of Akati, Mar, uh, and Chunker via Ekia, er, the Danta, Hosmish, Scrivener via Sanog, Hokshi Kiadoing. Women can write poetry, you know. So it was just that. So I, I'm delighted it was read by a man. <laughs> so just, I'll just read two then. Salstice. All that winter I waited. I knew you would go before the solstice, and you did. You left just as the sun was finding its way into the chamber at Newgrange. I see you walking the valley to the stone cairn, its grassy mound always a surprise. White quartz gleams as you pass through the open doorway. Stone by stone along the damp passage, you are led into its womb your shadow cast. It was strange how it was near the end. The carers dressed you in red, not your colour, for the Christmas party. Jingle bells, crackers and Bailey's Irish cream. And as you were spun around the floor, you smiled and smiled back at them, the sun's secret in your pocket. Diora Day let it be the way it is, let it fall. 
the wind-blown fuchsia lets go another tear. Remember how she disappeared under the heavy weight of thaw. A snowslide left her damaged, bruised branches torn apart, her last season. Slowly in her secret way, she appeared in new robes, one for every occasion. And you thought I was a lost cause. Under the snow I returned to my roots, buried in black peat and terracotta. I left the world, dreamed deeper shades of purple, blood reds, found why you call me by this name. Good night. If Bob is here, uh, he is... I was running for the door. (laughs) (laughs) Our very kind host, Bob Johnson, um, absolutely renowned in reading circles because he knows everything there is about books. Um, And I just wondered, what is your best Christmas book-selling memory? Christmas book-selling memories. I should should have prepped for answers, shouldn't I? I didn't think of this. Um, I've been working in bookshops now since I was 17. So what's that? 28 years. So that's 28 Christmases in bookshops. Um, And I love it, actually. Do you know what I love? Christmas Eve. I love working Christmas Eve. It's slightly mad. But actually, everybody's in a good mood on Christmas Eve and you roll with it. It's a lovely day. And then at the end of the day, you close the door and it's empty and it's quiet. And that that moment then is always my favourite moment of the year. I then lock the doors and go round the corner for a pint in the pub because that's my other tradition. But yes, that moment I love. Um, I have many mad instances of things that have happened Christmas the ones that always get me I used to work in the big high street shops was the people who would be frantically would say it was always men it was always men who would come in at like 4 p.m on Christmas Eve and just say things like turkey foil and you'd be like no like that and then they'd run out the door again and there would always be these people who would want the most bizarre thing and were basically just running from door to door just <laughs> shouting at people in the hope they might go yes I have your random thing for the day um so yes yeah, so that's it but working in a bookshop at Christmas is magical it's mm-hmm. lovely you know mm-hmm. and so much enthusiasm and especially in Ireland I was I came here 17 years ago and um there's something just lovely about bookshops in Ireland, the enthusiasm for books, the love of literature, um, and just a real passion and a wanting to support. Um, so I went back to the UK for a couple of years in the middle, and when I came back again, it was just like coming home, and mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. So there we are. Well, you've made a home for writing in the Gutter Bookshop. Oh, so. Well, thank you. We try. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for the poetry. I, I had a mad thought as we were driving in that somehow I might finagle Mavo Sullivan to sing a song. Just to see us off. Would you? Would you do that? You can certainly look at the lyrics on your iPhone. And while you're doing that... Maybe you give us a song. I will not. But I will say, uh, Peter Salisbury, in another mad moment this morning, was talking about this being our season finale, and that was very kind of Netflix moment, that we're, we're having a season finale. But I just wanted to thank everybody for, for watching. This is our 
20th episode of the Attic Session and it's hard to believe that uh, we've managed to finagle so many people to come and talk to us um, over the time but hopefully we'll be doing it again in 2018 um, and very much looking forward to that so um, it's okay because Peter can edit this bit out if you uh, <laughs> no he can't okay he can but thank you very much for watching and uh, wishing everybody out there a very happy Christmas so this is um, one of the oldest carols in the world. It's a 12th century carol, uh, sometimes known as the Wexford Carol and sometimes known as the Enniscorthy Carol. So you'll forgive me, I don't know all the words, so I'm sorry. And she sprung it on me. <coughs> Good people all this Christmas time Consider well and bear in mind what our good God for us has done in sending his beloved Son. With Mary holy we should pray to God with love this Christmas day. In Bethlehem upon that morn there was a blessed Messiah born. Near Bethlehem did shepherds keep their flocks of lambs and feeding sheep to whom God's angels did appear, which put the shepherds in great fear. Arise and go, the angels said, to Bethlehem be not afraid. For there you'll find this happy morn, a princely babe, sweet Jesus born. With thankful heart and joyful mind, the shepherds went the babe to find. And as God's angel had foretold, they did our Saviour Christ behold. Within a manger he was laid, and by his side the Virgin Maid, as long foretold, Upon that morn there was a blessed Messiah born. Woo!